In the last couple of weeks or so, I've been traveling a bit outside Delhi to try to figure out what's happening in the states that will go to polls this year. So a couple of weeks back, I spent some time in Bangalore, and then a week later, I was in Raipur. My interactions with politicians in these states, as also some recent happenings, have given me the materials for this episode of Politically Correct. As you might have guessed from the headline, it's about senior citizens in politics, in the BJP to be specific. But let me first talk a bit about an unrelated subject, which I intend to use as a hook to get into the main topic. In 2020, when passenger trains were discontinued due to COVID-19, the railways found in it an opportunity to save some money. Among the concessions the railways ended was one for the elderly in train fares. That's 40 and 50% for men and women over 60 and 50 years uh, respectively. Millions of senior citizens found it, to, found it out to their horror after the pandemic subsided and train operations resumed. Having survived the pandemic, they were excited about visiting their relatives and friends or just traveling to rejoice in the gift of life. They found out that they had to pay more for that now. The concessions had been withdrawn. The railways obviously decided that train fare concessions to senior citizens were like raveries that had to be stopped. The railways of course saved around 1000 crore rupees a year by this move, as uh, the Hindu business line uh, reported. As Uncle Ellis says in No Country for Old Men, one of my favorite characters in that movie, what you got ain't nothing new. This country is hard on people. You can't stop what's coming. It ain't all waiting on you. That's vanity, quote unquote. That was from that film. Basically, if you can't afford to pay full train fares, sit back at home. The BJP had a similar message for many of its senior citizens. They had to prepare themselves to sit back home. There might be some raveries in Raj Bhavans, if at all, but that's about it. The message seemed to be targeted at some veteran leaders. Karnataka's former Chief Minister, 80-year-old uh, Yadurappa, former Chhattisgarh CM Raman Singh, who is 70, and former Chief Minister of Rajasthan, Vasundra Raje, again 70, among others. The unwritten age limit for holding an official government position is 75 years in BJP, but the high command would rather have them pack up and go home early. But unlike the common senior citizens, those in the BJP are not willing to take it lying down. Vasundaraje celebrated her birthday on Saturday at Salasar in Rajasthan's Chulu district, four days before her actual birthday, that is on the 8th of March. It was a show of strength with the majority of party MLAs and MPs in attendance. Abki Bar Vasundra Sarkar, the crowd sloganeered. A BJP MP thundered, Rajasthan ki sherni agai hai, Jaipur se Delhi tak ye awaaz jani chahiye. Jai Vasundra. Basically, Rajasthan's lioness has come. There should be just one sound going from here to Delhi. Jai Vasundra. You know what he was meaning, what he intended to say. The birthday message to the BJP High Command sounded like the Queen song. Remember, we will, we will rock you. About a fortnight back, I asked Yadrappa at his Bangalore residence if it was his last election. And his response was, I'll campaign for the BJP in this election and in the next election too. He was smiling very indulgently when he was saying that. Now that you are not even contesting, who gets the mantle of the Lingayat leadership in Karnataka BJP? 
Basavaraj Bombay has not proved to be the one. I pushed a little. Yadropa took a pause for a minute or so and then answered in four words. Why? Vijayendra is there. Of course, it has to be Yadropa's son, B.Y. Vijayendra. The state BJP vice president, who the party leadership denied nomination to even the legislative council recently. I had a lot of questions about Yadropa's equations with the BJP high command, his sidelining in the party, his future role and so on. He would answer them with a genial cryptic smile, repeating the same words. You should wait, wait and see. And I must give it to him, his humility was touching. When I and my colleague Sharan Puvanna were leaving, the 80-year-old leader decided to walk us out and waited outside until we wore our shoes and left. You don't find these things in young generation politicians nowadays. Anyway, a week later, I was sitting in the Raipur residence of Raman Singh, repeating many questions that I had asked Yadrappa. Raman Singh, like uh, the Karnataka leader, is not preparing to hang up his boots yet. But unlike Yadrappa, Raman Singh is preparing to contest the next assembly election. It will be his last election, he said. He has cutted questions about him becoming the chief ministerial face. You know, Modiji will be the face. That was his constant refrain. I asked if this perception was true that he has been sidelined in the party. He said, no. I am the national vice president of the BJP. Party made me chief minister thrice. Where is the question of getting sidelined? Then I asked whether his son Abhishek was planning to contest the Lok Sabha election. You remember, he was a sitting MP, but the BJP denied him uh, the ticket, not just to him, to other sitting MPs also, all from Chhattisgarh. And I was just trying to ask if, you know, he's preparing for his son's uh, ticket this time, or he's trying to push the party. But he was very clear, it's all the party's decision. But are you ready for another stint as CM if the party wants? I asked. And then his response again, when the party takes a decision, it becomes Raman Singh's responsibility to abide by it 100%. Swap Pratishat, as he said. I must admit, I was a tad disappointed. I was hunting for a big headline. And here was Raman Singh in a very conciliatory mood. A loyal soldier of the BJP. So going by my interactions, what was the message from Yadrappa and Raman Singh to the BJP High Command that they have made up their mind to dig in their hills with elections around the corner. Central BJP leadership had sought to sideline them and promote a new crop of leaders, but they did not walk into the sunset as the High Command expected. Since late 2013, after Modi put down the resistance put up by LK Advani, he and Amit Shah never had to face a situation where local satraps would defy their writ. Once they took a decision, the party's rank and file came together to, to execute it. They could change even chief ministers at will. And the party and the voters accepted it without any question. It was easier because none of those chief ministers, except Yadrappa, were mass leaders. Vasundra Raji could successfully resist the appointment of Gajan Singh Shekhawat as uh, Rajasthan BGP president, but the high command would still not give her the candidate of her choice. 
Shekhawal would later be uh, rewarded with a cabinet berth at the center. Yadurappa would sulk for months before resigning as CM. Raman Singh chose to go with the flow. In Madhya Pradesh, Sivara Singh Chauhan ensured the ouster of the Congress government to uh, become chief minister, but he never felt secure with leaders close to the high command constantly undermining him or trying to undermine him with all those controversial statements. All these leaders were expected to ultimately give in once the high command's mood for a change of leadership in these states became obvious, BJP's rank and file were, were expected to abandon them and isolate them. For once, it has not happened. It's mostly because the succession plan did not work out the way Amit Shah and PM Modi wanted. Yadurappa's successor as CM, Vasavara's Bombay, another Lingayat leader, has failed to meet expectations. Vasuna Raja's projected successors did not rise up despite Delhi's backing. The same was the case in Chhattisgarh. While Raman Singh let the high command experiment with faces who could replace him, it hasn't happened. During my stay in Raipur last week, uh, I would ask random people who the BJP's top leader was in Chhattisgarh. The response invariably was Raman Singh. People didn't seem to even know the state BJP president's name, Arun Sao, an OBC leader who was expected to counter Chief Minister Bhupesh Baghel's grip on OBC voters. Sivara Chauhan had every reason to panic with so many chief ministerial aspirants around, you know, from uh, Jyotirajit Sindhya to Kailas Vijayvargiya to Narottam Mishra, Nain Singh Tomar, you name it. As a survival tactic, Chauhan has changed his image from a moderate leader into a hardcore Hindutva leader, modeling himself on Yogi Aitnath. It has worked for him as the high command also seems to have acknowledged his uh, strength. He has the popularity, 24 by 7 commitment to his job as an administrator and willingness to go the extra yard to meet what Modi and Shah and the RSS expected from him. Besides, at 64, he is relatively young. As it is of all the four leaders I have spoken about in four states that the BJP sought to replace over a period, Shivara Chauhan has earned the confidence of the party's top leadership. But what do Modi and Shah do with the other three? The four states send 93 members to the Lok Sabha. Of these, BJP has 28 out of 29 in Madhya Pradesh, 25 out of 28 in Karnataka, all 25 in Rajasthan, and 9 out of 11 in Chhattisgarh. Even if it's an established fact that people vote for Modi in Lok Sabha, can Modi and Shah take a risk uh, on these seats by forcing their rate in assembly elections? Of the four regional satraps in the BJP, Modi and Shah may decide to bet on Chauhan again. He has been a compliant CM. There is probably no need to upset him ahead of the 2024 Lok Sabha election. Raman Singh seems to be uh, willing to play along. As he uh, told me uh, in an interview, he is fine with PM Modi being the face of the Chhattisgarh Assembly election. 
He said that, you know, uh, whatever, whoever will be the CM will be decided after the elections, MLH will decide. So obviously he is not putting his, throwing his hat into the ring. He just wants, wants to play along, he wants to contest and then he'll see what happens. So the BJP doesn't really have to worry about him in the assembly election. Even though the party leadership had delivered a big snub to him, replacing all BJP MPs in Chhattisgarh, including uh, Raman Singh's son, Abhishek, in 2019 Lok Sabha election. Modi's and Shah's biggest worry must be Yadrappa and Rajay. The party leadership sought to mollify the Karnataka leader, bringing him into the BJP parliamentary board and giving a bigger organizational responsibility to his son. That was recently. Uh, you must have seen when Modi visited Shivmoga recently, he grabbed Yadrappa's hands as a show of friendship. And it was all over social media, everybody is talking about this. But few can read the Lingayat leader's mind. He has a clear succession plan in mind, as he hinted during my interaction with him. How much the BJP high command is willing to defer to that, to his plan in the coming weeks, will decide how Yadurappa conducts himself in the run-up to the state assembly election. As for Raje, uh, she has proved her popularity among BJP workers and leaders at the Salasar meet too. Imagine the majority of MPs and MLAs showing up in Salasar when the state BJP president was leading an agitation program in Jaipur. Modi and Shah are not known to give in to regional satraps, but they are also not known to risk anything when it comes to Lok Sabha elections. The coming weeks and months are going to be quite interesting in Indian politics, especially in terms of how the top BJP leadership handles its internal crisis. That's all for me in this episode of Political Correct. Thanks for watching.